2: Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm your host, Jim D'Ducciu, and on this podcast, we take a piece of pop culture and we reveal how just underneath the surface, it is influenced by real history. So what are we doing this time around? I guess you could say this riffs on a few things that we've talked about before. It is the 1999 movie, Wild Wild West starring Will Smith. And that of course means we're going to be having to talk about the subculture of steampunk, we're going to be talking about 19th and 20th century innovation, and we're going to be talking about how the film industry has changed in just 20 years. So quite a lot to get through in this one. There is more modern history I'll admit on this one, but that's okay, I'm going to say that's fine. So let's cast our minds back. I don't know how old you were in the 1990s or indeed if you were alive in the 1990s, but it was an exciting time to be alive and go to the movies. Because in 1995, Will Smith, who at that time was in the very successful and popular TV show Fresh Prince of
1: Bel-Air,
2: that ran from 90 to 96 he had already had the start of a very successful rapping career but he was also regularly on your tv screens but then in 95 admittedly he'd done some smaller movies but he went big blockbuster for 1995's bad boys
1: bad boys bad boys what you gonna do what you gonna do
2: directed by michael bay and because it was early Bay when he wasn't given an unlimited budget, it's one of the better Bay films. I
1: miss you more than Michael Bay missed the mark when he made Pearl Harbor.
2: I'm going to say that The Rock is probably the best Michael Bay film. But this was a really good, solid, 90s-style action movie. It's very sweary. People are shooting guns all the time, but undeniably. You had Martin Lawrence and Will Smith being these buddy cops, like Riggs and Murtor from Lethal Weapon, except both of them were black. Both of them had attitude, and both of them could be funny as well as exciting on the screen is
1: my liar he doesn't talk that way talk like him like him try to talk sexy come on, come be, you don't come sound on.
2: sexy enough and so we go to 1996 and we then take what was already a very successful career to a whole other level for Will Smith as we get Independence Day Today? and if you haven't seen independence day go and watch it fun fact in the original trailer all the special effects had not been finished yet for the movie so what they did is they went to this really clever well-written rom-com called the american president starring michael douglas and annette benning great film and actually it was written by aaron sorkin and this led to his whole tv series about american presidents it started with this film as the starting point But the point is, obviously, they couldn't just film around the White House, etc., etc., so they actually had a small scale model of the White House from that movie, and then Independence Day took that small model and blew it up and put it in the teaser trailer for the movie. And if the White House is exploding in the trailer, it looks like the good guys are gonna lose, doesn't it? Oh my goodness, the aliens are gonna win. So yeah, it was a marketing sensation on a real schlocky B-movie type film. It was not high art. I remember sitting there in the cinema with my friend on the opening night, we were in Leicester Square. Shout out to you, Tim. I'll never forget how excruciatingly embarrassing it was. It was so jingoist, it was so dripping in Americana. My friend, Tim, in the middle of this audience started to heckle the screen. He can't remember exactly what he shouted, but in a quieter moment, he just shouted out something along the lines of, this is rubbish. <laughs> and it's one of these things. If you are going to push hard against Independence Day, there are lots of things to push hard against. But if you just want to sit there shoveling popcorn in your face and seeing the sheer spectacle and just go with it, there's a lot to go with as well. But undeniably, Will Smith lit up the screen.
1: You know, this was
2: supposed to be my weekend Another thing that was happening in nineteen ninety six is we had the first Mission Impossible movie. Why do I mention that? Because I'm going to say there's quite a lot of similarities between Will Smith and Tom Cruise. There's six years separate them. Will Smith is six years younger than Tom. They are both born in the nineteen sixties. And undeniably Tom Cruise had the bigger hits earlier in his career, and probably has had a more successful career. But Tom Cruise has never released a platinum selling album. And Will Smith has a few under his belt. In the 1990s, he was this young, successful African-American man who could open a movie, who could launch an album, who could be on a hit TV show. Is there nothing this man cannot do? He was on fire. And the other example I'm going to compare to both Tom Cruise and Will Smith is both of them can act undeniably. Both of them being nominated for, for Oscars on several occasions. You know, Tom Cruise on Born on the Fourth of July, and okay, linked back to Independence Day again is an amazing it's an amazing movie and his performance is amazing then you've got Will Smith in Ali where he's playing Muhammad Ali again it's a really great performance my
1: okay. name Cash is Clay I am Muhammad Ali
2: but neither of them are known really as actors okay they're not up there with Laurence Olivier or Robert De Niro or something like that they are movie stars they got something in common with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Cary Grant their name alone can open a movie and today in the 2020s they're probably the only two people who can do it anymore now admittedly neither of them are having the success of something like the marvel movies but this is the thing when you look at what's dominating the cinemas over the last decade or so it's these big superhero movies of which neither of them are really doing. Admittedly, we do get Will Smith in the thankless role of being the genie in the live action Aladdin. Try following Robin Williams. There's probably only one person who can do it and still walk away with it smelling of roses, and it's Will Smith. He's not as funny as Robin Williams, but he, again, he knows how to light up the screen. He knows how to have that pizzazz. He's got that charisma, just like Tom Cruise.
1: I am not a giant. I am a genie there is a difference.
2: Giants are not real. And again, going back to Arnold Schwarzenegger briefly, nobody's gonna say he's a good actor, but in his best films, you can't imagine anybody else doing it and just him on the promotional tour, launching a Predator or Terminator 2 or whatever. It just excited everybody to go and see those movies. And today, no disrespect to Tom Hiddleston as Loki or Chris Hemsworth as Thor or or whoever, they just don't open films. They open films when they're playing their Marvel characters, but they don't then instantly open something else. Again, both Tom Hilston and Chris Hemsworth have been in some really great other films apart from Disney films or Marvel movies, but they don't necessarily set the box office on fire. It's the combination of both them and the Marvel brand that does it. Robert Downey Jr first film after Iron Man you know he is instrumental in setting up the Marvel movies even he fell short with Dr Doolittle admittedly it wasn't a good film and we also had the start of Covid at the same time but yeah he couldn't set the box office on fire so this idea of a real movie star From the 1930s to the 1990s was a real genuine phenomenon around the world. Hell, we can even go back further than that. Someone like Charlie Chaplin in the silent world of cinema, he could open a film. People would go and see a Chaplin movie just because it had the name Chaplin attached to it. Nowadays, people don't so much do that. When Tom Holland is doing other movies and going around the world, filming things like the Uncharted film, People don't chant Tom Holland, Tom, Tom, Tom. They chant Spider-Man at him because that's what they know him from. So with that in mind, got a little bit sidetracked there. So we went from Bad Boys in 95. We went to Independence Day in 96. We then went to 97 with Men in Black, another colossal hit there for Will Smith. 98, no summer movie for him that year, but he had Enemy of the State in November, which was another big hit, slightly different, more of a thriller kind of thing, less family friendly, more swearing compared to Independence Day and Men in Black, but a great film if you haven't seen it. But also he had mega hits with Just the Two of Us and Miami. Here I am in the
1: place where I come let go.
2: So he's again still in the popular consciousness. So, when it was announced that he's got his next movie coming out in 1999, Wild Wild West, West. people were just so excited about that. Will Smith even had an opportunity to work on this rather niche sci-fi movie where he got to play the hero from these people called the Wachowskis. How do you pronounce that? It's some film called The Matrix. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do Wild Wild West. west. Which, if you haven't worked out already, Will Smith is on record for saying is the worst decision in his career. I digress. The point is that with Wild 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 West... The other zeitgeist that it was catching on in the 1990s is, and this goes back to Mission Impossible, lots of 60s and 70s TV was being turned into movies. You know, there were some slightly weird ones like the Beverly Hillbillies and -and out-and-out comedies from serious ones like Starsky and Hutch but you also had Mission Impossible. Most people today don't even realize it came from this original TV series. And it's the same, and a lot of people don't know this, Wild Wild West is the movie version of the Wild Wild West from the mid to late 1960s. So pretty much same time as Mission Impossible. Everything was set up for this movie to be a huge hit. The other thing is that Will Smith got to work with Barry Sonnenfeld again. Don't know who he is? He was a man who, again, just had the Midas touch in the 1990s. He had, another example of a TV series turned into a movie, directed the Adams Family movie of the 1990s, which was, again, very well received, both commercially and critically. And he had also directed Men in Black with Will Smith, based on a comic, by the way so that when he's gonna be directing the next Will Smith movie, it's gonna be another summer film. It's got Will Smith in. Oh, by the way, the video on it, that was one of the most expensive videos ever made, and it sold by the truckload. And then the film came out, and it wasn't very good.
1: Say, man, you're going get out of my face. man. hit you so hard, your grandpa gonna get a lump.
2: And it was the first big box office disappointment in Will Smith's career. Now let's sort of like take it back a little bit. Should you revisit wild wild west? wild wild west? I've said that this is one of these podcast episodes where I am kind of riffing on previous things, because not everything I talk about I love. Like Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Boo. And on this occasion, Wild Wild West. Wild, wild doesn't matter if you're in 1999 or in the year that you're listening to this, it is still just a bad film. It's not through lack of effort, but people just didn't have that magic touch with it. You've got Kenneth Branagh. Again, 1980s, 1990s, you want a bad guy? Get a posh british person to do it alan rickman was amazing in diehard and there are just loads and loads of examples of this even john lithgow in cliffhanger a very good underrated sylvester stallone action movie where he's hanging off cliffs Clues in the name. Jonathan Lisko, he's American, but he decided to play it with an English accent because by then everybody's expecting the bad guy to be British. Americans kind of have this weird relationship with Britain. I think that, look, they beat us fair and square in their war of independence. Today we saw- So we're kind of the bad guys there, but they do speak our language and they kind of like our culture and probably more Americans like the royal family than people in Britain like the royal family. So this is weird love-hate relationship. I think that they think that we're generally smarter than them, but we've also got bad teeth and so on. So it goes backwards and forwards. You know, they give us a compliment, then they pull the rug out from underneath us. But having a villain that's potentially somebody boo-hissable and also potentially a bit smarter than you, well, you're kind of knocking down the aristocracy. You're knocking down the old world. It works on so many different levels. So, yeah, let's get Kenneth Branner in, a Shakespearean actor who, in this movie, he plays a southern gentleman. So many British actors decide to go for the southern accent. Most people in America think we don't do a good job, but speaking as a Brit, that sort of broad Alabama drawl, it sounds okay to me, but it, it doesn't sound right to Americans, and that's fine.
1: It's me. Dear friends, alive and kicking.
2: All I'm going to turn round and say, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. That is not. It's not even an, any accent in Britain, let alone a Cockney accent. Comical poem, suitable for the occasion, extemporised and thought up before your very eyes. I digress. So anyway, Kenneth Branagh, however, in this is not only a Southern gentleman, but also. He is disabled, he doesn't have the use of his legs. So he has this sort of wheelchair that sort of becomes almost like a a walking spider and spoiler for Wild Wild West because I'm, I'm... Guys, if you haven't seen it by now, you're never gonna and if you are, You've probably already seen this in the trailer or in clips or whatever. The big bit at the end is with a, a huge giant spider. So, you know, if you like, it's it's foreshadowed that as he's sort of evolving his wheelchair, he's involving his technology. So with that in mind, this is going to lead us into the area of steampunkness. But why hasn't this aged particularly well? You should look at the lyrics. The second, well, I mean, at the beginning of the Wild Wild West song, it's like, wiki wiki Wawa." Wow, wow. It's sort of gibberish, but then you get a little introduction about Jim West, hence Wild Wild West, so because he's Jim West in the Wild West. Are you getting this? Okay, this is also kind of Victorian era, cowboy era in America. Yeah, so he then introduced himself, but then the second verse, he talks about if he meets a woman, they're basically gonna be naked pretty quickly. It's all like, wow, that's that's really assumptive and probably wouldn't go down in the sort of like woke Me Too culture. of the modern world Salma Hayek's in it I have huge well, I have a huge crush on Salma Hayek but also I love the strong character she tends to play she's a formidable person in real life and she tends to pick those sorts of people in movies as well they can be very feminine but very strong but in this one eh, not so much and there is the shot again in the trailer of her wearing a pair of long johns but she turns round, but you can see her bottom and it's like uh, sort of objectifying women and you know so there's all this sort of problem there then then okay there's got to be the banter between the good guy and the bad guy he's a southern gentleman it's the 1800s what does he do he makes various racial comments to will smith which probably is appropriate for the time but really isn't appropriate for an audience of the 1990s or any other time in the 20th century so how does will smith fight back he tells disablish jokes back at him so nobody is looking good or sensitive in this situation it just it it's tone deaf. It was tone deaf in 99. It was criticised about all this stuff in 99, but it's only got worse. It has not aged like a fine wine, okay? So (laughs) this really is just a disastrous mess of a film. However, it was based on this TV series, which and it is quite true to the TV series, because like the TV show, it's full of gadgets. It's full of this steampunk nature. About to explain what that is in a moment. But the idea is that, yeah, they could be. Yes, they ride around on horses. Yes, they've got a six shooter, but they've always got a little gadget to try and help them in a situation. And as I said, the bad guy has a giant steam powered mega spider robot type thing at the end. None of this is historically accurate, but it creates a certain genre and style. So yeah, that's what it was like in the old fashioned show. In essence, the Wild Wild West TV show was Mission Impossible, but with more fun and stuff. It's sort of like more happy go lucky. It was a bit lighter than Mission Impossible. However, it was basically Mission Impossible set in the Wild West era. And it was a successful movie, a successful show. You know, you know, if you get past one series in the 1960s, you're gonna be a hit. So with all that in mind, it all should have worked, but audiences were turned off, even though they were primed to go and see it. It had a decent opening weekend, but word of mouth quickly spread that this was not Will Smith in his prime. This is not Barry Sonnenfeld firing on all cylinders. Everybody's allowed to drop the ball occasionally, and this is very much in celluloid history, the dropping of the ball by everybody.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
2: Nice dress.
1: Uh, it's a t it's a shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
1: This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: The partner to Will Smith in this was played by Kevin Klein.
1: Now listen, the art of disguise is what we need to get into the party in order to find the kidnapped scientists before they're forced to create something that will destroy the united states
2: and the thing one thing i'm going to say about him is kevin klein's a good actor but he is plagued by bad luck or poor decisions because he's always the nearly man if you look at the films he did particularly in the 1990s they were always the one if there were two choices that one of them blew up and became a huge hit and the other one didn't he was always in the one that didn't he tries hard everyone says he's a lovely guy can definitely act probably a fish called wonder was his biggest hit and he kind of plays the bad guy in that so you can understand why he's going to sign up for something like this it looked like a guaranteed hit it was going to help his career but no instead it was almost with the klein curse once again it failed to launch kind of situation anyway i digress i have mentioned multiple times now about steampunk so what is it Jem? Well, if you are listening to this and you're a afici- uh, steampunk, 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 hey, go to the steampunk. Anyway, steampunk aficionado. I'll be curious to see what you think about this. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Jim on Twitter. There'll probably be a link underneath this in the description. Oh, and a quick reminder, guys, it's the first time you're listening to it. It's like, oh, podcasting has gotten mentioning steampunk or something like that. Then have a listen to some of the other ones. Done loads of them. On lots of different topics. I've already mentioned a few of them. But do you think there can be any history in Scooby-Doo? Spoiler there is same with I don't know Rick and Morty it isn't all cartoons try Monopoly or ABBA I cover lots of different areas and lots of different ways okay nursery rhymes there's a surprising amount of history there I digress so with steampunk the basic idea I've heard this now the editor behind the scenes the guy who makes me sound good and keeps putting in all the sound effects is Greg Chapman And he is a bit of a steampunk aficionado. Oh my God, it's a dream. And he once told me that if you asked three people within the steampunk community, give me a definition, you'll get five definitions back. And so there isn't, if you like, an agreed gold standard. But in essence, what it is, is looking at the era of steam. In other words, the 1800s and applying, if you like, modern concepts, but using technology from that era. Now, it was actually invented in the 1800s, Jules Verne, the time machine. Gentlemen, all I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. That's an example of basically early steampunk, because... Nobody's invented a time machine. He basically came up with some technology during, in essence, the Victorian era. And you get an absolute sci-fi classic out of that. But it has continued. And as I said, Wild 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 West is probably, it never when it was being made and designed i don't think there was a lot of people behind the scenes that were trying to make a steampunk movie but if you've got something like a huge automaton type spider and it's clearly powered by steam that's almost the moving definition of steampunk it's something that never existed and it's clearly powered by steam as opposed to nuclear fission or something like that so therefore it's it all falls into this genre what i find interesting is is there is a large dedicated community throughout the world there are like steam parks. i keep doing it steampunk conventions and meetings and things like that there are people who just earn a living make sort of making fashion for for these sorts of people and the cosplay behind it is a lot of fun too but it just doesn't seem to hit in mainstream some examples of movies that are considered steampunk relatively mainstream okay we've got the league of extraordinary gentlemen based on a cult comic It's basically bringing together the heroes of 19th century fiction in a new action adventure. To lead a team of unique men, like yourself, to combat this threat. Regale me. Uh, People like, for example, the Invisible Man and Dorian Gray. So all these people could be almost sort of superheroes, if you like. And they are in a movie that unfortunately was the last time Sean Connery was in a film because he found the whole situation so grueling again should have been a big hit Sean Connery was still a sort of very popular I think it came out in the year 2000 and it, just like Wild Wild West it just All the component parts did not fit together. It was a failure. One of the biggest flops in recent 90s, 2000s Disney animation was Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Again, did not set the box office on fire. Also considered steampunk. You've also got things like Mortal Engines that came out only a few years ago based on a series of books. Really clever idea, or really fun idea, where in essence you've got small towns and cities on massive, huge tracks, and they're sort of like all fighting each other. Great idea. The movie was very derivative, but it did undeniably look very impressive in the cinema and it bombed. It bombed hard. I once saw a Mark Commode saying when it comes to a new sci-fi franchise, you either need a big name brand or you need a big name director or you need a big star To make it work and he goes i'm worried about mortal engines before it even came out because it was originally meant to be directed by peter jackson so you've got the director but he ended up getting sidetracked on another project so he ended up producing it and so what came out was perfectly serviceable but it had no big star mortal engines was not like up there with star wars or star trek and it didn't have a big name director either and it tanked at the box office like i say that one that one's fine it's visually impressive It's highly derivative in its story. You'll spot the twist coming a mile off from another sci-fi movie, which is interestingly not in the books. But anyway, so Mortal Engines, you might want to check that one out. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, read the comics. They're really interesting. Don't watch the movie. Atlantis, The Lost Empire's fine, actually. If you want to watch a kid's movie, which is a bit, just slightly tiny bit darker than your average... Family-friendly movie, might want to check that one out. TV, you've got things like, right now, Carnival Row on Amazon. So, you know, that's actually relatively successful. And a lot of anime, a lot of Japanese stuff. There's literally one called Steam Boy, for example. And Full Metal Alchemist is another good example. Gonna do a whole podcast at that at some point, not now, okay? So, steampunk, if you like, is a wonderfully freeing idea. More recently, in July of 2021... Netflix launched America the motion picture. This is ludicrous, by the way. I liked it. If you're not going to go on its journey of ridiculousness, then you will hate it. Now, look, I'm Mr. History, and if the opening of this movie is how George Washington was best buds with Abraham Lincoln, who is then murdered when they go to the theater together by Benedict Arnold as a werewolf, Everything I've just said happens in the first 10 minutes of this thing. And, yeah, that tells you everything you need to know about the history in America, the motion picture. But it is very steampunk. And almost all of these, at some point, have to have a Zeppelin. That that is super, super steampunk. And, indeed, Greg, who is editing this right now, actually created a short mini-series called The Last Airship, a steampunk, self-funded, I think you can get it on YouTube. It's really fun, give it a go. He's thinking about doing a second sort of, uh, second episode or or not so much episode, second series, that kind of thing. And what you have to understand is this is a guy on a budget of four pounds 52. It is amazing what he gets done for that limited budget. With all due respect to you sir. My airship can outrun any of your steamships, and I have the finest aircrew anywhere in the world. Even sort of like computerized special effects. So 10 out of 10 to you on that one, Greg. That was so much fun to watch. But again, it follows the rule of there is a Zeppelin in it, as do most of these things have them. I completely digress on that one. And look, for, for the record, We're talking about steampunk. There's even something called diesel punk, which is sort of taking the ethos and style of like the 1940s and 1950s. And again, imagining like it's modern day. So a classic thing from diesel punk would be something like mech walkers during World War Two. That never happened, but that fits in there. But rather than steam, they're using clearly petrol driven engines. But the thing this, of course, highlights is the sheer amount of innovation that happened in the 19th century. Now, absolutely, if we're talking leaps over a century, we can go to the 20th century. That's an even bigger leap. But what I find fascinating is, if you look at the average person working in the fields in 1700, and then look at that family in 1799, they're still working in the fields. And basically, from 1799, you can roll it back to basically the time of the ancient Babylonians and not that much has changed. Oh, Jim, what about gunpowder? Yeah, fine, you got gunpowder. But boats existed back back then. Agriculture existed. Walled towns and cities existed. You know, there was none of the huge innovation. But these people's descendants, if you look at 1800 to 1899, the world changed more in that one century than it had done for a thousand years it is amazing now what's interesting is some of this stuff had been invented earlier but became mass-produced and revolutionized the industrial revolution is the single biggest thing to have hit humanity and planet earth for better and for worse and that all happened in the 1800s and the thing that took me a long time to work out as a child is that Queen Victoria stuff was happening at the same time as the cowboy stuff in America. Now, to Americans, cowboys are, if you like, the legendary period. What cowboys are to Americans is a bit like what knights in shining armour are to Europeans, for example, or samurais to the Japanese. It is a time of myth-making. We know that it's a period of history, but there are far more legends in that period than there are hard facts. And if you like, as soon as you start looking at the real facts, it makes the myths fall to pieces and it makes everything so much more disappointing. So sorry about that. But as a kid, because the Wild West was fun and exciting, I assumed because America, when I was a kid, was global number one, and clearly cowboys are American, America in the 1800s was number one. And they really weren't. The whole point, if you like, about the Wild West is the frontier. It's the fact that people are living, in essence, in shanty towns, slowly trying to build this country called the United States of America. The critical thing was the building of the railroads. Now, the steam engine technically was invented in ancient Greece. Yes, you heard that right. Somebody managed to create a ball full of water, which they put in a stove and got it to spin. Basically, there you go, steam engine. Locomotion, an actual steam engine that moved, was created in the in the 1700s. But again, the mass production of railroads, basically girding the entire continent of America from coast to coast with a railway network. That was all 1800s. And a lot of that pop crops up in cowboy times as well. In same thing in Europe. And you know, at that time, you got places like France and Britain having empires and where do you think the railroads were built in india it was built by indians with british money so the point is transportation's one thing of course we can talk about war as well we've got things like for example, hydraulic artillery. We've got breech loading rifles. In other words, rather than the silly musket things, which basically, I'm, you can talk about matchlock and flintlock and all this kind of stuff, but really, once guns were on the battlefield from the 1600s onwards, Until you get to the late 1800s, it was all about shoving a pellet down the barrel of the gun. And so you could maximum fire two, three rounds in a a minute. The French are over there. They fire three rounds a minute. You'll fire two. By sunset tomorrow, you'll all be dead. Whereas the Lebel 1888, guess what year that came out? French, by the way, was the first one where you could stick a bullet which had all the gunpowder in it already, and you could stick it in the back of the gun and you could fire it. And you could have a, a short little magazine of bullets and suddenly one man could fire... 10 bullets in a minute. Uh, So suddenly you needed less men, or you could have the same amount of men laying down a withering amount of fire. The machine gun was also invented at this time by Hiram Maxim. Uh, He was an American, but he gave the the gift, in inverted commas, commas, of the first machine gun to the British. So yes, okay, there's there's obviously the militaristic side as well, but when you look at shipping as well, 1800, everybody's got a sail. By 1900, then the wooden boats are gone, they're all now metal, and they're all run by steam, or sometimes coal, or whatever. And so yes, so you, you suddenly got much faster ships being able to carry much larger cargoes across the world suddenly you could travel the pacific and you weren't going to sink halfway across the pacific ocean so the network if you like the british empire needed this innovation so that things could happen classic steampunk kind of thing charles babbage almost invented in essence a clockwork computer he didn't quite get there and yes we then get to ada lovelace and you get some people saying she was the world's first computer programmer she Came up with a theoretical system for Babbage's computing machine that was never finished. That's not. Look, 10 out of 10 to her. She was an amazing mathematician. She has a really fascinating life. However, I think saying that she was the world's first computer programmer is overstretching the facts on that one. I do apologize on that. But we, we do have signs of computation of mass transportation yes sadly war we got physics as well innovations through physics of course you've got people like charles darwin but you're getting astronomy improving improving all this time as well so there's just a period of huge improvements over this one century and really the world was kind of unrecognizable from 1800 to then 1899. Mass schooling, children are going to schools as opposed to 1800 when they're going to be working on the farms, and of course the other thing about the Industrial Revolution, you need to have workers. So whereas in 1800, the vast majority of somewhere like Britain was working in tiny little villages and hamlets, it was very rare in terms of the percentage of the population, it wasn't even a quarter of the population living in towns and cities, You know, large towns and cities. But by 1899, the majority of the population were living in large urban environments. So the way we lived changed in that hundred years. And so steampunk kind of glamorizes this and and sort of takes this spirit of revolution and innovation and taking it even further into the world of fantasy and, and making it fun as well. Now, look, undeniably, you can take all that. And then go from 1900 to 1999, and you've got flight. You've got nuclear power. You've got the internet. You know, these are huge ge- TV, radio. Technically, radio was around before that. So was telephones as well, and telegrams. That was all 19th century. But undeniably, the communications revolution of the 20th century is probably the biggest thing that happened there. That plus flight as well. Or, I think you have to be technical here, heavier than air flight, because the Montgolfier brothers, 1783, they went up in a balloon. So that's even pre-French Revolution, there was flight, but they were using something that was lighter than air, and also they couldn't steer it. They were at the mercy of the winds. I digress. So yes, the 20th century is still hugely innovative. 21st century? What have we created in the last 21 years? I mean, we're already almost a quarter of the way through the century. What big leaps have we had? The answer is nothing, really. The internet's already been invented. Social media, you you know, you can argue the use of the internet is enhanced, but it's not the same leap as something like flight. And yes, we are now getting things like space tourism, but that also had already happened. And people had already gone into space as well. So... I'm not sure if we're going to see the same amount of innovation in the 21st century as the 20th century. But undeniably, it's that 1800s and 1900s that just changed the world to the point of almost unrecognizableness. And this is something I find absolutely fascinating so yeah there we go we've got the the world of steampunk which i've finally been able to say correctly first time we've got the the world of will smith's career and look he's doing fine he's he's still very bankable and like i say him and tom cruise are probably the only two genuine movie stars still out there and so yeah so let's not feel sorry for will but we can all absolutely turn around and say wild wild west was not that good but there are lots of other great Will Smith movies and maybe you want to snuggle down with one of them this evening. Thanks very much for listening and as always, hopefully see you soon.